0: Let's revisit uh, the political drama unfolding in Alberta, which certainly I think has some national interests for sure, maybe even some national ramifications. And the lingering question for observers is, how did it get to this point? Where did it all go wrong for Jason Kenney, who returned to Alberta with such great fanfare, won the leadership of the Alberta PC party, helped engineer the merger of the PC and Wild Rose parties, won the leadership of this newly merged party, and went on to win a large majority in the 2019 General election. It appears as though his time as premier is going to end well before next year's scheduled election. So, where did it all go wrong for him? Why has the United Conservative Party in Alberta uh, become so ununited, disunited? There's a lot of reasons for it, but I I did want to get a perspective from within the party and within the caucus. Uh, from somebody who has been critical of premier kenny in fact that criticism cost her her role in cabinet joining us on the line here this afternoon is leela ahir who is the ucp mla for the riding of chestermere rocky view Uh, leela so great to have you with us you're good to talk to you again welcome to the program
1: good morning rob how are you doing or good afternoon.
0: I'm doing well, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, the question is kind of how, how you're doing. I mean, obviously, this is is almost fun at some level, I suppose, for political junkies watching all of these twists and turns. But I mean, you're, you're in the heart of all of this. You know, I mentioned, you know, you you were in cabinet, uh, you know, speaking out, cost you position in cabinet. I mean, like th- these have been difficult times, haven't they?
1: They have. Um, the, but the, let me start off by saying first that the privilege that we hold. We can't ever take that for granted. There is, um, there's a true, there just feels like such a, a compelling re- reason to give back to Alberta. You know, just talking from my perspective from this province, um, none of us gets into this for any other reasons to be able than to be able to give back. I've been given so much by our province, So I feel very compelled to give back, and you want that ethical and compassionate and human-focused kind of leadership, right? Especially in Alberta, you have to understand Albertans to be able to lead in Alberta, that's for sure. But, um, but let me also just say, I mean, the, the cabinet is at the Premier's purview. And when sure. you're chosen to be in cabinet or you're asked to leave cabinet, that is truly his perspective and his ability to do so. And I was honestly so touched and completely honoured to be part of that cabinet for the time that I was there. Um, not only did I learn so much, it's a very humbling position. and you, um, You're exposed to a lot of really tremendous human beings, both in Alberta and across Canada. And I'll be forever, forever, forever grateful for the opportunity that I had to do that. But, um, but it can't surpass um, standing up for constituents and standing up for what you were put there to do. At the end of the day, my seat belongs to 54,000 Chestamirian, and my, my writing is actually Chestamirian Stratford now because they changed the lines, but my, uh, oh, that's my, right. my, my ultimately, you know, my seat in that house doesn't belong to me, it belongs to them.
0: So it was, it was quite a week, obviously, quite a significant, maybe even, dare we say, historic week. Uh, as, as you digested all of that, watching those numbers come in on Wednesday, hearing the premier's speech on Wednesday night, announcing that he would be stepping down, then the decision subsequently made that, that he would remain as leader for now until uh, a leadership election uh, can be held. Just what did you make of this week?
1: Well, I think that... Albertans needed to hear that speech. Um, We have been missing that person for a very long time, that very humble, and um, that was a a very, very sensible and thoughtful and and actually quite selfless speech. Um, And that's the person that we've been missing. It's too bad that it's taken this level of um, intervention from the people of Alberta to see that happen. However, having said that, it's that this is a jumping off point to healing for the conservative movement in Alberta. And if we're actually to put it back together, it's actually really going to take all of us to be able to do that. I think that this week, as hard as it's been, I'm hoping from what I've seen and heard that this is actually an opportunity to reunite the conservative movement. And um, Jason Kenney sitting where he is right now, you know, as an acting premier figurehead. I mean, his promise was to stabilize. So that means I think in order to bring things together, Rob, truthfully, we just have to see that the premier does that and that he that he stays out of, you know, nominations or leadership races or anything like that. If that happens, if we see a really honest and transparent and thoughtful approach to what happens next, then people will truly understand what the premier actually just did for all of us with the with the conservative movement. However, on the flip side, if there's any interfering or meddling in all of that, it would become very obvious about what's actually going on.
0: I mean, look, obviously there were thousands and thousands of Albertans who took part in this leadership review process, and, and I'm sure they all had their own reasons for, for how they voted. So when people try to to get an answer to the question, well, you know, where did it go wrong for Jason Kenney? Where, where did he lose support, lose the base? There's a lot of different answers, but... You know, there, there were those who want to, you know, insert some convenient narratives, whether it's it's the premier and his supporters, whether it's its political uh, adversaries on, on the other side of the, the political spectrum. The idea that, you know, Kenny was too tolerant of dissent in caucus or that Kenny wasn't conservative <laughs> enough. We hear all these different narratives. Leela. How do you see the question? Well, I'll,
1: I'll answer that from um, a my, my personal per- perspective first, if that's okay. And then yeah, I can absolutely. jump into what I've heard, if that's, if that's all right with you. Um, personally, sure. for me, um, especially in the middle of COVID, the Premier should not be judged on COVID. No no leadership. Um, he did the best that he could. All of us did under the circumstances, especially not knowing. And I, I will stand by that every single day. Where the all failure right. was is in leadership. When you are... I'll give you one example. So when I was a minister of... Culture, multiculturalism, status of women, the sectors that I represent, which is, you know, the um, entertainment sectors and then even tourism to some degree, that was the hardest hit sector, right? First to go out and certainly the last to come in. You can't be having conflicting policies on having, for example, you know, churches being open to a certain amount and being able to sing and then not allowing people who <laughs> actually make their living that way to not be able right. to do that. But that's just one of the conflicting Pieces of information that all of us well, I I can't speak for anybody else other than myself, but it was so hard to understand and very sobering actually to understand the difficulty with which the decisions were being made. But also, how do you how do you reconcile those two things, right? And Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) there it's very very difficult. And I understand that the, the the decisions were difficult, but then when. When you're trying to bring forward some common sense ideas on how to fix that and understand that, for example, that if you know a job is a job is a job, whether you're in a cubicle or on the stage, trying to help people to understand that, it was really it was really difficult to try and get anybody's opinions across. And then when that information is then not being shared, when you're finding out, you know, a few minutes before the media finds out, it's so hard to be able to translate that information wrong. You know, and again, I don't, I, this isn't a critical, this isn't criticism on handling of COVID. God knows, I don't know how anybody else would have done. But when sure. you have 63 MLAs that are in their ridings and we don't have the information that we need in order to be able to help him, right? And to be able to help the people around you and to be able to give a message, not only of the difficulties that we're in, but of hope and to be able to really resonate. With the people that you are dealing with, especially when they're losing their businesses, when they're when they don't understand, when we can't give them straight information, that was the most difficult part. And had there been compassion in that message, and thoughtful, and the ability to speak to people, not at them, I think that, I mean, this is in hindsight, right? But that would have made, I think, a huge difference. As you know, I'm very, very pro-vaccine. Um, I was very very much behind, especially with the knowledge that we had at that time of trying to understand what we did and how to do that. So it wasn't, again, about that. But once you start having uh, misunderstandings about the information that you're trying to put out and it's too complicated, you lose people. And then, (laughs) then, so that's from a personal level. And uh, the other thing is, too, is you can't then make rules and then break them. So, for example, my... And and this was an apology that I'd actually made in my writing to my personal Facebook page. And that then was then translated out into the media. But my point was at that point, like when when you're told not to travel and then people travel, you lose your moral authority. When you are – I couldn't have gone out for dinner with you, Rob. We would have been breaking the rules at that time. And yet they were having dinner together on the rooftop, Right. Um, three of my girlfriends lost their businesses that week, right? And they're all in they're all in the restaurant business. Um, and then you talk about matters of Canadian history, which is beautiful. And I have, I mean, I could listen to Queenie talk about history every single day. Brilliant man. But when you find out that your First Nations peoples in Kamloops are finding the graves of their babies, the last thing that you should be talking about is anything other than reconciliation and making sure that your voice and your heart and your minds are with those people and that you're doing everything you can to help that situation. Those are those are matters of leadership that really, really, they really impacted people. And like I had said, like in 1996, when the residential schools finally closed in Alberta, I was a new mother at that time. <laughs> if somebody had come to my door yeah. to try and take my baby away, I just don't even know what I would have done. And at, at a very personal level, that's where it impacted me. And that's what I was trying to explain. And it was just a matter of really good leadership and thoughtful conversation. Those are the places where he started to lose just the average Albertan like, who are already suffering. And honestly, Rob, if he had just gone out and done a beautiful apology, everybody was tired. He would have been a hero. We all were tired. Everybody was making mistakes at that time. Of course you would, it was impossible to, to not. And that's what we needed, that kind of compassion. That's where it started to fall off the rails. And, I mean, 90% of the policy that we've put forward and the work that's been done by all of the ministers and the entire caucus has been really good work. But we can't even get our messages across because of our failure to communicate, our failure to lead, our inability to get those messages. Those are all things that have contributed to where we are right now.
0: Right. And when we talk about the party healing and coming together, I mean, you alluded to the question of nomination races and, and whether as sitting premier, you know, th- that he might have something to say that if those who have spoken out uh, against the premier in the past, is that going to be an issue going forward? I mean, for example, do you intend to, to run for re reelection? What do you see the situation now in terms of getting past these divisions here?
1: Well, I think that the more people that run, I mean, I've always, uh, you know, Chestermere Strathmore and previously Str- Chestermere Rocky View, it's always been very competitive out there. So oh, yeah. I always love a competitive nomination. I have no problems with that. But um, you know that there was interference with my AGM. And that came, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things need to be dealt with. And having felt that at a very personal level, and I can't even speak to that. That was my board. And these are volunteers, Rob. These are the beautiful, I wouldn't even exist without those people. You can't go after those folks. They are the heartbeat of the of the party, and they are the reason that any of us exist in our writing. So um, there needs to be a real call to action and a show of, of uh, respect and understanding for the grassroots politics and the competitive nominations that I'm sure that we'll see in the next little while. And that'll actually be part of the healing because whoever wins those nominations you got to get behind those folks and help them out as much as possible right and so if we can do that and even with a leadership race is that the leadership race needs to be focused on the people of alberta not the leader we've been so leader centric for so long and i think that's been part of the problem that doesn't allow the party to grow We're supposed to be a big tent. That's really hard to navigate for anybody. So how do you do that? What is the kind of communication? How do we get people back on board and get their trust back? The the leadership race will really have us give us an opportunity to earn back that trust.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend.